And so, anyways, we're going to be talking about secular versus sacred, okay? Um, who can define secular? Things, things that are not holy. What did, what did Zach whisper to you? I saw that. <laughs> things that are worldly. Things that are worldly, yeah. Do you guys have, um, like, examples of secular things? Like secular music. Secular music, yeah. I guess a group of things that are around Yeah, yeah. Anyone else? Minecraft. Mine <laughs> <laughs> Minecraft, I guess you could group into being secular. Except for Christian Minecraft server. <laughs> okay, who can define sacred then? Holy set apart. Holy set apart. That's what, yeah. Were you going to say holy and set apart? I was going to say not secular. Not secular. Good answer. What are examples of secular, sacred things? Yeah. Forgot I had a slide for that. So, yeah, these could be places, traditions, how you treat things, what you listen to, things you watch. Um, how many of you watch The Chosen? Ooh. Okay. We'd probably say that's a little bit more, like, sacred than, like, Grey's Anatomy, yeah. right? Like, we understand the difference in things that we watch, things that we listen to. Um, there are very obvious sacred versus secular places, okay? What would be examples of those? Church, Church would be... Sacred versus H E B. Were you about to say like the fox? Yeah. Yeah. Those are sacred. Hmm? A university? Yeah. The Greyhound area. Okay. So the only place though that we've said is secular is a church. Are there other or sacred? My bad. Um, the only sacred place we've said has been a church. Is there other sacred places? Your living room? Your living room? Hey, you've been in my living room. Hey. hey. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The XA house, yeah. I would like to point out that this man said your closet when you pray. That's so good. That's so good. That's so true. So we would all agree that there is a very big difference between these two things. Um, you guys have a very clear understanding of it, even if you don't know how to properly define it. You have the examples, um, and I think that is really cool. And we ought to do sacred and holy things, and we should stay away from secular things. We would all nod our head in agreement with that. I shouldn't listen to rap music. I should listen to Upper Room only. That's, that's sacred, okay? Um, but what if I told you that the Bible actually doesn't say anything about that? And that there is no difference between sacred and secular things. Would you agree or disagree? I was about to agree to disagree. Yeah. Church, because I feel like secular, it can be secular. Like yeah. If you're not focused on the sermon or the assignment you're on, yeah. you can be looking at just at it from a standpoint of view. Like if you're if you're looking at the singers instead of looking at God. Yeah. So okay. So you're jumping way ahead. So we're going to talk about perspective. You're on the exact right track. And so you're 100% right. It is all based on your perspective. And so let me make something very, very, very clear. The Bible says a lot about not sinning. Okay, we all nod our head in agreement to that. We should not sin. 
Okay, um, Sam shared this with us on Thursday night. Um, here's some verses. Um, we literally covered Matthew 5:48. Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. We talked about it on Thursday. If you weren't there, go listen on Spotify. It was really, really great. Um, can I get a volunteer to read the second and third verses? You could just. Okay, go and sin no more. Third verse, anyone? I think you got outed, dude. <laughs> what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Okay, so the context of all of these verses, they are deep in other stories in the Bible and that sort of thing. And so there's lots surrounding those. And I'm going to encourage you guys, if you are unsure of what these are really getting at and you want to understand the story, go and read that chapter. Um, and there's not just three verses in the Bible that talk about not sinning, there's lots. <laughs> and so, just in general, read your Bible. Um, but yeah, the Bible is very clear about staying far away from sin in these verses. Whenever David is, um, no, it's not David, it's Joseph. Um, he was tempted sexually and he, instinctively fled. He ran away. And so the Bible says a lot about fleeing from sin. Um, it says to cut off your hand and cut out your eye if that causes you to stumble. Those are like pretty aggressive things. And so we shouldn't sin is basically the point that I'm trying to get at. But what I'm, or what I'm proposing is that sin does not equate to secular. It, it can, but you can choose for secular to be sacred. Okay, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, so we're going to take a look at what the Bible says about the separation of secular and sacred. And so I'm going to put up three more verses. And if you guys just want to like read them out, whoever reads first, reads first. And whatever you do, do it heartily. Heartily. As to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. For you serve the Lord Christ. Therefore, whether you eat And he puts all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. <coughs> okay, once again, these are not limited to these verses. Um, but what these are saying is that whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Um, and that means, and this might sound crazy, that you can do sacred things in a secular setting. Um, so I have another a couple of questions for you guys. Can I only spend time with God in a church? No. no. Okay, good answer. Can God be found in my classes or at my job? Yes. yes. What is more holy, washing dishes or kneeling at a worship service? Both. Okay, so you all like know the right answer, but sometimes we don't always do these things, right? We feel God more closely at a church setting than we do in perhaps our living room. Um, but it's very important that we know that the answer to all of these is no. There's no limit on where God is. If we think that there's a limit on where God is, then we, we're, we're basically calling God a liar, if that's what we think. Um, so does anyone know what the word omnipresent means? Okay, what does it mean? Everywhere, all at once. Okay, so if I think that I can only meet with God inside of a church, then... 
that means he's not omnipresent. And you're saying, no, I know more than God does. Does that make sense? Yeah. So we're all in agreement that God is everywhere, yeah. all at once. Okay. So this is like a side thing. Um, have you guys heard of A.W. Tozer? Yeah. Okay, so this is really, really interesting, and I never thought about it before. So he proposes that because God is omnipresent, that means he's everywhere. That includes he is in hell, which is like, no, that's not correct. We know God's in heaven, and hell is separation from God. Okay, but if God is everywhere all at once, then that means he's in hell, and hell is that tormenting because we no longer have that relationship with him. So you can, you can like, his presence is there, but you can no longer interact with it. And that's what makes it so terrible. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like a little heady, but if you're interested, look up A.W. Tozer and what he says about that because it's super interesting. But basically, if we believe that God is everywhere, even in a place like hell, he can surely be at your kitchen sink, right? right? So things that are secular can be made to be sacred. It all just depends on the motive of your heart, just like Destiny was saying earlier. Um, it depends on how you think about it and your perspective. So where are my teacher pets? Do we have any in here? Like your A-plus students? You put your hand down. Where, where's the uh, C's get degrees? Woo! Oh, yeah, let's go. Oh, this is going to be a really fun class. Uh, okay, okay. How many of you? Sometimes D's. That's true. Hey, where's Sam Houston? Come on, eat them up. <laughs> um, how many of you? Uh, do you guys all like school? Are you studious? Are you like I have to be dragged out of my bed to get to class? Like, what are you? The second one. Dragged out of bed? Okay. It depends. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Depends on the weather. This weather is pretty terrible. This weather is pretty bad. Um, what if I told both groups of you, the studious and the non-studious, that Jesus can actually take hold of your education and you can use your education and your classes for his glory um, and he can make you fall more in love with your education? Um, yeah, I, I firmly believe that. Um, and here is my preface for the rest of the class. Um, I'm not going to, like, check in with any of you after this. I'm not going to, like, make sure you attend your classes or, like, don't even know how I would do that, but I'm not going to. Um, Daisy is going to, actually. She's going to, like, really be, she already has, like, a head count of everyone. And so if you don't go to your next class, you're in trouble. Um, yeah, I'm not going to check in with you. And so you might just like smile and nod like all of you are and then completely forget everything and like cool not going to do anything with that um i don't know this is like something that i'm passionate about and you guys take it or leave it and hopefully the lord will sort it with you um it might sound like i i am the a a plus student i love school that's why i'm talking about this um and so if i sound like an uptight student I'm sorry, but at the same time, I'm not sorry because this is something that I've seen the Lord move in in my life, and I believe he could do it in all of yours, too. Um, yeah. I've seen the goodness of sharing your education with Jesus, and so 
I want you guys to be able to have a sacred education, not a secular one. So there is going to be a couple groups of people in here, again. Um, and this one, you don't have to raise your hand for. Please actually don't raise your hand. Just, just sit and listen, okay? There, there are people in here that have either already begun to skip their classes or have in semesters past, right? I skipped classes. And so you wake up late, you vow to teach yourself because the professor doesn't know as much as you do. You can teach better than they can. Um, attendance isn't mandatory. That was a big one. Um, yeah. Uh, there's lots of reasons why we would skip a class. Uh, I've skipped classes before, so I'm talking to myself. I'm not like, did not attend every class. So we're going to get that out of there real quick. But I have two responses to my skippers in here. Um, you're not being clever. I would argue you're actually being quite lazy. And um, I know a lot of you don't know me like super well. And I say this with as much genuineness in my heart as possible. And so some of this might not sound like super nice or like, whoa, this like got kind of like parenting, nagging-ish. And so that's not my intention. Like I said, this is just something that I think the Lord has stirred in me. And so I'm sorry if anything comes across like, ooh, striking a chord. Um, and if you think that and would love to talk to me afterwards, I would love to talk to you about this. And so just going to side that in there. But yeah, I think with the skippers, attendance here isn't mandatory, but you all are here for some reason. Okay, you all show up to a small group, you all show up to service, um, you show up to things that you care about. And so a lot of you guys said earlier, um, it depends on the class, whether or not you're more attentive or less attentive. Um, it's normally the ones that we are more interested in that we're more attentive with, or we like the professor, or we have friends in that class, right? And so um, when things have a priority in our life, we show up. And so I was a COVID graduate. I am very aware that I logged in every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, turned Zoom on, turned my camera off, and rolled over. I did not attend classes during COVID. And so I understand um, that some days we're, we're sick. Some days we have to skip stuff to study for other classes. Um, maybe you're having a really intentional conversation with someone about God, and it's so important, and you just can't leave to go to your class. That happens. But if you're skipping just to skip, it doesn't really like do anything. There's not really a good reason for that. Um, that just kind of shows you don't care. Um, it, it doesn't really do anything to your character. It makes you more confused about your classes. And so you're just kind of like intentionally hitting yourself in the leg, right? If, if you don't even want to like go to learn like whatever it is that you're learning about, you're paying for these classes, yeah. you know? So it's like also you're just wasting money. Yeah. And so it's like, that's just not efficient in general, spirituality aside. Um, and so if you're not wanting to learn even just for what you're paying for, the second reason that I would say, please don't skip your classes is you might be the only person in that class that loves God. Yeah. And if you skip, how, what's, what are your class sizes? 20, 30. Okay, 200, big one. Yeah. 
200. So 12. Yeah, there's some that are really, really small. Yeah. Um, so if you who love God and are bearing the image of God and showing the love of Jesus to everyone in that classroom, you deciding to not show up and skip class, you are no longer allowing 200 people to, to see who Jesus is. Just by your actions. Hear me, I'm not saying you're going to get up and preach the gospel in front of your entire psychology class. You're not going to like... Like, the teacher says something, and you stand up, and you're like, that is incorrect, the gospel says this, and like, if you do that, that'd be really cool. I'm not saying to do that. But you being there shows that you care, which is a lot more than other students are doing. Um, how will that group of students and your professor have a picture of Jesus if you're still laying in bed in your dorm or apartment or house? They won't, right? They won't. They won't see that you care. Um, we all love to feel like people care about what we care about, yeah. right? Um, some of you might think, well, I know there's other Christians in my class. They'll do a better job. Mm -hmm. Like, I know, like, this person in Chi Alpha, is, they're, in, they're in my class, so I'll just let them handle it for today. Um, with that, I, I didn't really, I didn't know that having multiple images of Jesus in one area was, like, a bad thing, yeah. and so if you would like to explain that to me afterwards, please feel free, but there should never be a problem with a multitude of people who love God, okay? Um, this is uh, another quick side story um, with kind of my relationship with this. Um, do you guys know Lori Chance? She's a missionary at UNC in Colorado. She graduated from Sam Houston. She was also an English major, and she was telling me a story. We were walking around the English building one day when she was in town, and... We walked past a classroom and she's like, oh, this professor's still here? Like, she hated my guts. And um, she was like, I just like talk about Jesus all the time in that class. And this professor did not love it. And I was taken aback because I had that exact same professor that semester prior or that semester even. And that woman was much more interested in God than she was when Lori was a student. And so because Lori went and ministered, and didn't skip, even though it was hard, I now was able to minister to that professor in a new way. She was a creative writing professor, and one of the things that we had to do was we wrote about like parts of our life, and I had just gotten back from Morocco. And so I was like, oh, I have a lot to write about. And so she would invite, a, invite students in and basically like edit your paper with you. And anytime I went in there, she, we didn't talk about editing paper. We talked about what God was doing in Morocco. And even further, I developed a relationship with her, and she joined my support team to do missionary work on campus, okay? So this is the same woman that Lori had as a student, and she ministered so that I could walk and see more fruit from it. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so you might not see your professor come to know God. You might leave and then come back and be like, they're still here? Like, why are they still here? And then someone could be walking with you. It's like, no, 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 like, you paved the way. You did more. You can't do that if you're not in your class, okay? Um, it's crazy what the Lord honors when we, when we actually, like, be used by him, you know? So there is going to be another group in here that says, um, you don't understand my major. It's, it's too heavy. It's too dark. There's no one there that loves God. I am the only person. It is overwhelming. It's not it, okay? Um, 
you are probably absolutely right. Um, I was an English major, and so I, I also had a creative writing minor, and so I understand the weight of heavy classes. Um, one of my best friends in the classes, she was like an actual witch, and we hung out pretty frequently. And I read many uh, stories that won many awards about rape and murder and homosexuality and depression and bad, heavy things, okay? Not really like the best, most fun thing to read when you love God, um, pretty hopeless stuff. And so I understand heavy majors that have very little light in it. And to you, I'm gonna encourage you and challenge you to keep ministering to those people, okay? We're not shoving the gospel down people's throats, we're just loving people like God, and we're taking our education seriously. And so me showing up and including Jesus in whatever work I presented, but then still listening to the other, other beliefs that were in the room, they began to listen to my beliefs. And I was able to share things with them because I was willing to sit down and listen to them. Okay, and so your major might be heavy. How many of you are going on a mission trip? That's exciting. Hey. Do you think the world is easy? No. Okay, we, we are currently in America. A lot of you are going on overseas mission trips. And those are going to be really dark and really heavy places. And you're going to be the only Christian there. And so if you're not willing to sit in your class and minister to heavy and dark places for 50 minutes, three times a week, I'm going to really be praying for you on your mission trip. Because it's going to be really, really tough. If you can't do it here, you're not going to be able to do it there. And so why not start practicing now? And then you're on your mission trip, you're like, oh, I've done this before. This is easy. Okay? Yeah. You're going to need to learn language. You're going to need to learn culture, all of these things. And you can actually start practicing that now. Yeah, um, yeah I was, like I said, I was in your shoes, and there's a very easy way to deal with this. You can, you can ask Jesus, and you could say, how, how can you show up in my classes? How can I present you in a way that people in this room understand. Do I talk about it? Do I just act like you? Do I love people? And it's crazy. You, you'll get a response. You'll get an answer. Um, some of you are like probably thinking, oh, like my 200-person class, I can't, I can't minister to everyone in there. That's too much. My 12-person class, that's easier. That's a small group. That was the disciples, okay? You could handle that, okay? But 200, that's, I don't even know, like, I don't know anyone in there. Um, I, I used to work at um, a frozen yogurt restaurant called Orange Leaf, and it was not great. Please don't go there. Um, and I had the opening shift, and I had just gotten back um, for my first year in, in Chi Alpha. I just had given my life to Jesus, and was like, okay, how, how are we going to make it through this summer? How can I serve and minister to people in my workplace? And, which sounds funny because it was a frozen yogurt restaurant, but it was very intense, okay? Um, and so that morning I, the store didn't open for like another 45 minutes or so. And so I'm setting everything up, moving the chairs around, sticking spoons in the toppings and every spoon as tedious as it was, I prayed over and was like, okay, Lord, whoever touches this spoon today, would you bless them? Would you move in their life somehow? Would something happen? And I was praying over spoons. Okay. That was ridiculous. Um, 
Hey, oh, and later that day, that same exact day, I, w I, I worked a double that day, and the other manager that had come in, her name was Lily, and she is awesome. She loves all the same movies I like. She's a mega nerd. We got along great. She also smoked weed religiously in the back, and I did her work for her, okay? And that day, she came and was like, hey, you're a Christian now, huh? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I, I am. And we just talked about God for the rest of the shift. And that has never happened before, and she does not love God, and she started going to church after that because I prayed over stupid spoons, okay? And so imagine if you start praying, okay, Lord, I pray for my Scantron, like, as silly as it is, like, stuff happens. And so you could get really creative with it. Um, Lord, whoever stands touch us, I pray that you will meet them, you will bless them. Would you provide an opportunity? You can come up with so many ways to pray in your 200-person class or in your 12-person class. Okay, uh, there's probably another group here that struggles with learning. Um, are we still like doing okay? Am I like talking too fast? Great. So yeah, there's another group here that might struggle with learning. You're like, man, I came to Sam Houston. It was supposed to be easy. I am not the smartest kid. I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, and maybe you even have insecurities about your learning ability. Um, you've probably said pretty mean things about yourself in depreciating ways. You didn't pass the test. It's like, well, it's just because I'm stupid, like I can't learn how to study, whatever. Um, there's no way that you can fall in love with your education. There's probably some people in here that think that that's impossible. And to you, I say, if you honor your time with God and you draw nearer to his heart, he will meet you in your classes. Okay. If you take a look at everyone in the Bible, none of them were smart. <laughs> none of them were distinguished theologians. Those were the Pharisees. Those were actually the wrong guys that like knew everything. But everyone else, they just let the Holy Spirit use them. And do you want to hear something really interesting? This is pretty cool. Um, so Moses, okay, we're all like, take it back to Exodus, Leviticus, all the like slightly boring books that were like, ooh, that's not fun. It's like law, okay? If you go back and look at Moses, he actually obeys every single law of chemistry without ever knowing chemistry existed. Mm -hmm. And so he would only have been able to do that if the Holy Spirit had divinely given him an understanding of chemistry. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so Moses, who had a stutter, who didn't want to do anything, obeyed all the laws of physics to a T. Like people have gone and went back and looked and it's like, yes, he listed, he like did it. And we didn't know this until this time, okay? The Holy Spirit gives you knowledge if you press into Him. And I'm not saying you're going to get 100 in every single class. We receive it. We receive it. Okay? But if you're willing to move closer to God, I'm sure that He will meet you in it. Whatever that looks like for you in your situation. Um, God can never use a person who's unwilling to move. And so if you are putting a box on your classes, He's never going to move in your classes or your education. Um, he wants people who can do uncomfortable things, and we all know that trying is sometimes a lot better than the end result anyway. Um, so, can someone read these two scriptures? The servant who knows the master's will and does not get ready or does not do what the master wants will be beaten with many blows, but the one who does not know and does the things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Luke 12, 47 to 48. 
He replied, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given, but as for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. When we are faithful with what the Lord has entrusted us with, more will be given. That's what Luke 12 and 19 are saying. The Lord has gifted you your education. I'm like, we should probably steward that well if it's a gift from God, right? Some of you are probably thinking like, yes, that said that if I'm faithful to something, more will be given and I do not want to do more school. I want to get out of here. This does not apply to me. That is not what this is saying. And so if you are faithful to school, that does not mean that you are now signing on to your doctorate degree. That is not how that works. Um, by simply just going through classes and being attentive, it shows your professor that you care about them. And we don't want to just be hypocritical Christians like everyone else. Okay, they already think that about us. And so imagine what your professor thinks when you're like, guns a-blazing, God loves you, you need to give your life to God, but then you don't even show up to their class. You're not responsible. Okay, so if you can't even wake up, if you don't try, if you go and you're just a butt in a seat, you're, you're letting the world see that they're right about Christianity, and we don't want that. Um, if we take seriously what we believe God has given us, and we show the students around us that Christianity isn't just a religion, but it's a lifestyle with which you live by, and it flows through every aspect of your life, don't you think that would be a little bit more impactful? Absolutely. Right? Um, yeah, hopefully I don't sound like a nagging parent. This isn't supposed to be a guilt trip, okay? Um, none of, no one put me up to this to like try and get their kids to go to their classes. Um, I am a missionary on support though, and so if you would like to tell your parents that you had a good friend tell you to attend your classes <laughs> and they would like to support financially, <laughs> You can talk to me after. Okay. That's actually the next slide. No. Um, okay, cool. Um, yeah, so if you don't know anything about me, you've probably learned a little bit that I take education very seriously. I loved my education. I love learning. If I could be back in school right now, I 100% would. Um, I've seen how Jesus has shown up in my education and how... He can even show up in a horrible, horrible story about rape. Like, there is so much that he can do in your education. It's really, really cool. Um, so circling back to earlier, your education can be sacred if you fight for it. Um, we said that this is all a perspective shift, um, and if we prioritize our nearness to God, he will meet you. Um, I was in a class where I shouldn't have gotten the final grade that I did. I should have gotten, like, a B or I don't know I don't know if I was between passing and failing or just like a C and a B it was one of those but I should not have gotten the grade that I got like statistically I did the math was literally not possible but I kept leading small group I kept spending time with God going to service doing my responsibilities and for some somehow I got the grade that I wanted in that class like did not make any sense I was shocked okay and so he shows up in even your grades um, and also hear me, that is not me saying, only read your Bible, don't try in your classes, you won't get an A. Okay, you have to try it in your classes. Um, huh? um, I had another class where I had to write an essay about Frankenstein, um, and the professor had given me a bunch of prompts, and they all kind of sucked, and I was like, I don't really want to do those. 
And so the Holy Spirit gave me an idea instead to write about comparing the monster in Frankenstein to Jesus. And I went to my agnostic professor and was like, hey, could I write about this instead? This would be more interesting. And she was all for it. And she was like, oh, I love that you're excited about this. Like, I've never heard of anything like this. I would love to read it. And so I wrote, I think, my favorite essay. That one was a lot of fun. Um, and she read it. I don't even, I don't know if I got like a good grade on it or what, but then she encouraged me to submit it and adapt it to a lesson, and I taught it at the undergraduate symposium. This is my agnostic professor who didn't give a rip about God, who slammed missionary work at a later time in that class, and she encouraged me to tell people about Jesus. I was sharing like parables and comparing it to Frankenstein, <laughs> okay? It wasn't like the most subtle subtle thing, but because I invited the Holy Spirit into my classes and I said, okay, how can you use this essay? Yeah. I was able to share in a room full of professors about how Jesus like existed and how he lived and how he loved people. Okay. Um, like I said, you don't need to have a perfect 4.0 or be the smartest person. You just need to meet God and you need to bring him into your classes. You can do that. Um, your education can and should be sacred. Um, yeah, we don't want to be hypocritical Christians. Mm -hmm. How many of you guys have heard of Richard Foster? Yeah. He's the guy that wrote Celebration of Discipline. It's a great book. Um, there is a chapter in it called Study. And so it's a great chapter, biased. Um, if you want to read that, go. It's, it's a pretty short chapter. You can find it online for free, which is also interesting. Um, he says so many good things about study and learning in Celebration of Discipline, and these are his four steps to a good study. He says repetition is important. That's the first step in learning. Okay, we all know this. Repetition is the price of knowledge. Yeah. We all know that we listen to songs repeatedly. That's how we know the lyrics. Oh, yeah. Okay, you don't know the lyrics to something that you've never heard. Um, the second one is concentration. You have to be there, mm -hmm. right? You have to be focused or else you won't understand. You don't just want to be a butt in a seat, right? Um, the third step is comprehension. If you don't comprehend it, you're not going to learn it, right? These are things that it's like, okay, yeah, like that makes sense as, as, as I'm saying it. Um, if we don't comprehend it, you find a different way to learn. You leave your class and you immediately go to YouTube and you look up whatever tutorial video to better explain it because you want to comprehend it. And this is where it shifts. He says the fourth and final step is reflection. And this is where you can bring God's perspective in on it. Okay. How many of you are science majors? Okay. Um, you guys talk about so many intricacies and the way that things work and very, like, I don't know, just like really smart thing. I, I, can't, I can't think of any other word, but you learn so much about how the way that things work and how if something was off just a little bit, it literally wouldn't function. No matter what science you're in, you learn in some sort of capacity something along with that. Does that fill you with wonder? Or are you just listening and you're like, okay, yeah, whatever. That should fill you with wonder. God created all of that to function that. Um, education majors. Nice. You are shaping the young minds of the future generation, and you are actually closer to childlikeness than any of us ever will be. Okay? Does that fill you with wonder? You can use your education. Um, there's creative majors like English, creative writing, 
film, journalism, mass comm, communication studies. Um, you get to show Jesus in a way that people can relate to and can see in a way that most people can't. But then they see it and they're like, yes, that's, that's, I know that, I feel that. I just didn't know how to put it into words. You get to do that if you reflect your time with God. Okay, we have criminal justice majors, I'm sure, in here. Um, you, this might not sound as fun as the other ones, but you get to rely on the hope of Jesus in a broken world. Okay, you are close to the brokenhearted. You get to be with them and love them. You get to be aware of his grace and his justice and his eventual return to a broken world, right? You can change your major. You can change your perspective on your major. Um, our perspective will never change on anything if we're not reflecting and seeing it from God's perspective. Um, so, yeah, I... My grandma, she used to um, fly me out to Colorado uh, whenever I was younger, and I would spend like a week during the summers with just her and my grandpa. And she is the smartest woman ever, okay? My grandpa was a chemist, and he did not compare to my grandma, okay? She was crazy smart. She was so well-read. Um, and so we went to Colorado, and you think, okay, there's mountains. Like, she probably hiked. She did all these, like, fun adventure things. And I did. We went to plays. We went to museums. Like, it was so much fun getting to just adventure. And then one day I woke up, and she was like, hey, we're going to play this really dope game. She didn't say dope, but <laughs> we're going to play this really fun game. And so I came into, like, her office area, sat down at her computer, and I entered a spaceship that if I did math equations, math equations quickly, and correctly, I would protect the spaceship from meteors. And that was the most fun thing I've ever done. It was awesome. And then she would um, take me to the library to, to read, to get like a free book or pizza or, you know, some sort of educational activity. And it was summer vacation, and I don't know why I was so excited to just learn. That was my break from learning, okay? But because she was so passionate about something, I wanted so desperately to be a part of it and to learn. And so a lot of my passion has come from that woman. Um, she just, the way she talked about everything with such excitement made me want to also learn. You never want to learn anything from someone that is monotone and boring. That's why most of you don't like your classes, yeah. right? Because yeah. your professors are like, this is what we're doing. It's not fun. <laughs> you want to learn from people who are passionate. Um, if, how many of you want to grow in passion? Great, love it. Um, maybe some of you even raised your hands because you saw other people raising your hands, like, oh, maybe that was the right answer. You know, like, either way, you just saw that some people are passionate and some, you know, like, you, it's even here. Um, a way that you can grow and learn in passion is by reading. That is one way. Um, I, I personally love reading, and so if you want to talk about books, please come talk to me. Um, I have a master list, so this is like a lot of authors, okay? You could totally take a picture of that. These are wonderful people to read that love God. Okay, boom pow. Books and reading, it's one of my biggest passions. Um, reading, I believe, allows you to see God's heart more fully. And if we believe that every person has a part of God's heart in them, then we could see the part in their life through reading their books. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, so even if you don't 